Well, good morning, Crossroads family. I am so glad that you have joined us today for worship and for this time where we get to dive into the Word and connect with God. This is an exciting day here at our Goshen campus because our annual cruise-in is taking place. That is always a great time to come out and look at some great cars and just have an entry point, an opportunity for people to connect with Jesus, because that is why we exist. We are here to connect people with God. We are here to celebrate those lives that are changed by encountering Him. We're here to contribute to the community in every way possible to make a difference for the kingdom. And I'm just so excited about the way that God is moving and working here in our church community. I got to be honest with you, with the cruising today, with our reopening of our Goshen campus next Sunday, with our best weekend ever happening September 11th through 13th, you guys, there's a lot coming up our way that's, that's happening that I'm just looking forward with great anticipation to because God is moving. Again, God is working. And these are unbelievable opportunities for us to keep connecting with God ourselves, but also to be inviting others to join us as we connect with him. So don't forget, as crazy as our world is, as everything is back and forth and turned upside down right now, you still have a mission. You have a mission to connect people with Jesus. So make sure that you're drawing close to him on a daily basis. Make sure that you're spending time alone with with Jesus and drawing close to him so he can move in your life, so he can use you to keep connecting people with him. What we are talking about today in this series, Succession, falls right in line with this concept because we have to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. We have to stay focused on him. And when it comes to this idea of succession, creating a foundation for a faith that will be able to be passed down for generations. We talked last week about how it starts with dedication. You know, am I available? Have I been making myself available to, for God to use me, for him to use the gifts and abilities that he's placed in my life? Am I ready and willing to take action? Am I willing to stand alone if I need to? We took a look at the life of Elijah last week and realized these are three important characteristics that define what dedication looks like in my life. And the question is, am I dedicated to Jesus. It starts with saying yes to Jesus, but then it continues by saying yes to Jesus every single day with continuous moments of surrender where when Jesus speaks to me and asks me to draw closer to him, I surrender and say, God, more of you and less of me. I mean, that's the beauty of walking with Jesus, and that is the picture of what dedication looks like. Never forget, Jesus is 100% committed to you. He laid down everything. He made the ultimate sacrifice so that you could experience life, and we've got to recognize that when he's that dedicated to me. He wants me to be fully dedicated to him. And that's where this foundation for building a legacy of faith begins, with my total dedication, my total commitment, my total surrender to becoming more like Jesus. Well, today we're continuing on with this idea that it continues with desperation. If I'm going to build a legacy of faith in my life, it starts with dedication, but it continues with desperation. And what I mean by that is I am desperate for Jesus, I realize that on my own, I am powerless to to stand against all these temptations in life, to, to weather the storm, the storms that life throws my way. I desperately need Jesus. And what happens is when we take our eyes off of Jesus, we get ourselves in trouble. And I want to encourage you today to think about this idea of creating physical margin in your life, creating space for God to move making sure that you don't get overwhelmed by all of the things coming at you in life and realize how desperately important it is that you carve out space in your life, time, 
to spend with God, to draw close to him, and to lean on him when we're dealing with all the chaos that life throws our way. And make no mistake, you guys, right now we are experiencing chaos, all right? We're already trying to navigate COVID-19 and everything that comes with it. Back to school, not back to school, sports, no sports. What is happening right now? We don't know. And on top of that, we have the stressors of our jobs, our finances, everything else that's being thrown into this. On top of that, we've got a political season that we're entering. It's like, what else could we bring on right now? We had a storm come through this week. We had an earthquake in the Carolinas. It's getting crazy out there. And all of these things can overwhelm us, you guys, if we're not creating space in our lives for God to move, creating space to draw close to him. Because when I'm focused on Jesus, that's where I'm living life to the fullest. One of my favorite verses that we reference from time to time here at Crossroads is John 10.10. Jesus says this, the thief, which is the devil, comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But Jesus says, I'm not having any of that. I have come that they might have life and have it to the full. I like to think about this verse in in three different ways. I, I like to consider the reality that when the thief comes to steal, I believe that the devil is focused on stealing your joy because the joy of the Lord is your strength. I believe that when it says the thief, the devil's coming to kill you, I believe he's trying to kill your spirit, to try to get you consumed by your worries and your fears. And I believe that when he talks about the devil and the thief coming to destroy you, I believe that's an eternal destruction. I believe the devil's coming to destroy our very souls. And so before we dive into that, I would just ask you to consider something when it comes to your life, creating space for God to move If you're not focused on Jesus, if you're focused by all these things that are coming at you in the world and you're being overwhelmed by them, you're going to find that the thief is having success. He's he's stealing your joy. He's killing your spirit. He's destroying your soul. And I would ask you today, what stresses in your life are you allowing to steal your joy? What worries and fears are you allowing to kill your spirit? What activities in your life are you allowing to destroy your soul? We have to create space for God to move because when we draw close to him, you guys, he draws close to us. What a powerful promise in James chapter 4. When I draw close to God, he will draw close to me. When I create space in my life for God to move, he's going to meet me where I'm at. He's going to help me weather this storm. And my foundation for my faith is only going to grow stronger because I'm focused on things that have eternal value. I'm focused on those things that bring me life. I'm focused on Jesus. And that's what he is all about. And so when we're talking about physical margin, we're talking about creating space for God to move. It's space between my load and my limits. It's it's the burden that I'm carrying versus the actual maximum uh, responsibility and stress that I can possibly carry on my own. I can't be redlining all the time, right? We got a bunch of great cars uh, at Crossroads, all right? Listen, this cruising is always amazing. I'm always just overwhelmed by uh, the amazing cars that are that are in our parking lot. There are beautiful cars. They're vintage cars, cars that I've dreamed of owning or at least racing down the street. You know what I'm saying? But the thing about it is, if you have one of these beautiful cars, It doesn't really matter how powerful it is. If you don't treat it right, it's going to break down. If you're redlining all the time, you're going to blow that engine. And it's just not going to work out the way that you thought it would. You got to treat it right. And your life is the exact same way. You can't be redlining all the time or you'll burn out. You have to turn to Jesus because he is the author of life. And what the devil does is, is he gets us focused on the wrong things. We talked about this a few months ago when we were going through our seven deadly sins uh, series. We talked about that deadly sin of sloth. 
And the thing that amazes me about sloth is that I think people just assume that that is laziness, right? If you're consumed with sloth, you're just, you know, some lazy person, you know, laying in bed all day. But sloth is actually much more sinister than that. Because in sloth, what happens is the devil takes my focus off things that have actual eternal value. And he gets me distracted by things that really don't matter at all. He gets me focused on the simple distractions of life. And so when it comes to sloth, the devil doesn't really matter what you're aiming at. He, he could care less what the target of your life is, whether you're completely apathetic to the things of God or whether you're so fanatic about other distractions that are meaningless that you don't have time for God. All he cares about is that whatever your life is focused on is actually meaningless. And that is the deadliness of that sin of sloth. It's allowing all these distractions in life to consume me and allowing those things to take my focus off of Jesus, who is the author of life, who longs for me to live life to the fullest. See, the devil, he's coming to steal your joy. He's coming to kill your spirit. He wants to destroy your soul. And if you don't create space, physical margin in your life, where you can draw close to Jesus, where you can have space in your life for God to move, you're not going to be in a space where you're building that foundation of faith that is a legacy of faith that you can pass on to the next generation. No, instead you'll be overwhelmed by all of the different things that life throws at you. See, Jesus is very interesting. He longs for us to draw close to him. He longs for us to experience his life. And he hates it when the devil is stealing our joy, when he's killing our spirit, when he's having success destroying our souls. In fact, when it, when it talks about this idea of creating physical margin in my life, space for God to move, Jesus addresses this head on in Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. Listen to the words of this. This is a beautiful statement from Jesus. If you're feeling overwhelmed, if you can't figure out what's going on or, or how much more you can take in life with everything that's being thrown at you, think about these words from Jesus in Matthew chapter 11. He says, are you tired? Are you worn out? Burned out? Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. What a beautiful statement from Jesus. Are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out? Man, that's a lot of us right now. i got to be honest with you. In the age of coronavirus, there's not a lot of people that are thriving. If you're hurting, if you're feeling a little worn out, a little tired, a little burned out, that's most of us, okay? Jesus says, if you're feeling that way, <laughs> come away with me. Get away with me and I'll recover your life. What an amazing statement from Jesus. This just reiterates the fact that when I draw close to Jesus, man, he draws close to me. He longs to fill me with his life. And when I focus on him, instead of all these things that are stressing me out, that are stealing my joy, what I realize is that he fills me with hope. He fills me with joy. He fills me with peace. And these are the things that everyone is looking for. Jesus gives me real life and life to the full. So I challenge you today, don't allow yourself to be overcome and overwhelmed by these burdens of life. Focus on Jesus. Rest in his arms. Make sure you are creating space to get away with Jesus so that you can be living life to the full. Now, it starts with creating space to slow your pace. And here's the thing. We've been talking about Elijah. And this is a theme that we're going to be talking about for the next few weeks, Elijah and Elisha, because this is a beautiful relationship in the Old Testament. Two amazing and mighty men of God who, in, in Elijah, the most famous and greatest prophet of the Old Testament, who is able to have a successful ministry of his own, but then also to successfully pass that legacy of faith and leadership on to the next generation, on to Elisha, who goes on to do even greater things than Elijah. I mean, it really is an extraordinary snapshot in Scripture of how we truly build a foundation, 
uh, for our faith that really is a legacy that we can pass on to those who follow us. And what we learn from Elijah is very important because he himself, the greatest prophet in the Old Testament, the most famous, the most popular prophet, he himself got caught in this trap where he wasn't creating enough space for God to move. And what I've discovered in my personal journey, my spiritual journey for the last 20 years, is that oftentimes you'll you'll be tempted to be burned out and beaten up right after you have a great spiritual victory. You'll have a moment on the mountain where you connect with Jesus, where you make a decision to take a next step in your faith. You have this amazing experience with God, and then the devil, seeing the move that you're making, is not going to like that, and he's going to try to steal your joy. He's going to try to kill your spirit. He's going to try to destroy your soul because he, want, he wants nothing for you to have a relationship with God. That's the last thing he wants for you. And so oftentimes, our, our hardest times, our darkest hours, come after our greatest victories. We really have to struggle. We really have to push. We have to really lean into Jesus. And that's why it's so important that we focus on the importance of creating space in our lives for God to move every single day, carving out time so that when we're feeling worn out, when we're feeling tired, when we're feeling burned out, we can get away with Jesus. He can breathe his life into each and every one of us. Elijah experienced this, this burnout. And what happened last week as we opened up with the series of Elijah, we, we looked at Elijah's greatest moment. He gathered all the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel. There was a, a massive test to see which God was the real God. And the real God was to answer by fire from heaven. And so after a day of trying to get their God, the God Baal, to breathe fire down on this altar, all of the prophets of Baal, they finished in disgust and discouragement because their God did not answer them. Elijah gets up there. He prays to God. He says, God, if this is who you are, if this is the moment that you've created so that I could show everyone who you are and reveal your glory, then God, would you please just answer by fire? A simple prayer, followed by this amazing eruption of fire from heaven, boom, that consumes the altar. And everyone who's gathered around, all these prophets of Baal, all of the people of Israel, all of a sudden there's amazing revival. They are all proclaiming the Lord, he is God. And it's an amazing moment. There is nothing that even rivals this in the Old Testament in terms of a moment where people turn to God and there was just this extraordinary act uh, that was miraculous that drew everyone to him. And Elijah was God's vessel. Now, that whole conversation began because there was a drought where Elijah had gone to King Ahab and said, hey, Ahab, there, are, there is not going to be any rain in this country until I say so. That, that was how Elijah rolled. He's like, hey, I'm kind of a big deal. God has told me this. And until I say it rains, it doesn't rain. And then it says Elijah just disappeared. He was, he was hiding out in the valley, out in the wilderness for three years. And so it's been three years since it rained. After God rains fire down on this hill, it says that Elijah told Ahab, get yourself ready go have a meal because it's about to rain and everything's going to get back to normal. Elijah went and prayed. He's on top of this mountain. It says seven times he sent his servant to go and see if there were rain clouds coming. It says on the seventh time, the rain clouds started forming and Elijah said, oh, it's about to get crazy. Ahab was going down the hill in his chariot. It says in the Bible, 1 Kings chapter 18, that, that the Elijah tucked his cloak into his belt and ran down the mountain ahead of Ahab's chariot all the way to the next city. I mean, you talk about like marathon man, the fastest runner. that was, He is the Usain Bolt of the Old Testament. I mean, this is an amazing moment. The Holy Spirit came over him. He's outrunning the horses and chariots to get back to safety because the rain was coming. An amazing moment. I mean, this is literally a mountaintop experience. Elijah has never been more famous. Elijah has never been more used by God. This has been a moment that he will, he will never, ever forget that we still talk about to this day. And yet here's what happens to Elijah. Here's how 1 Kings 19 kicks off. Verse 1. 
When Ahab got home, he told Jezebel, the queen, she was a terrible, wicked person, everything Elijah had done, including the way he had killed all the prophets of Baal. So Jezebel sent this message to Elijah. May the gods strike me and even kill me if by this time tomorrow I have not killed you just as you killed them. Elijah was afraid and fled for his life. Now, isn't this incredible? What an amazing turn of events. The mountaintop experience, a legendary moment followed by the very next day. Elijah just getting completely beaten up, threatened to be murdered. His life is going to end. And he goes from this literal mountaintop experience, the highest of highs, to the lowest of lows. Now he's fleeing for his life. Notice his focus is no longer on serving God. His focus now is on fear. Remember, I ask you this question, what stress in your life are you allowing to steal your joy? What worry or fear are you allowing to kill your spirit? What activity in your life are you allowing to destroy your soul? Man, this kind of stuff, it sneaks into our lives without us even realizing it. Elijah, one day after an amazing spiritual moment, completely loses focus. Now he's consumed by fear. This is killing his spirit. This is stealing his joy. He's running. He's on the run. He, he is afraid for his life. He's forgotten everything that God did just the day before. It goes on to say, he went to Beersheba, a town in Judah, and he left his servant there. Then he went on alone into the wilderness, traveling all day. He sat down under a solitary broom tree and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life, for I am no better than my ancestors who have already died. Then he lay down and slept under the broom tree. I mean, what an incredible turn of events. Elijah is completely now burned out. He's been beaten up. Now he's burned out. He's so focused on what's happening now, the threat of death upon him, that he can't even consider the reality that God might still have a purpose and plan for him. All he wants to do is die. Man, Elijah finds himself one day later stressed and depressed, beaten up, broken down, because he hasn't created space for God to move. He's been carrying all this activity in his life. He's been going like crazy, and God's been using him. It's been good stuff, but he hasn't been protecting himself, right? He's overly exerted himself. He's exhausted. He just ran the fastest marathon ever, outran Ahab's chariot. He's crashing hard, and when he wakes up, he's facing death threats, and he forgets everything that happened, and now he's focused on himself. He's focusing on trying to do all of these things on his own power, and all he can be is beaten up, burned out, and he's going to find himself broken down because he can't do this on your own. That's why those words of Jesus are so powerful for us today and relevant to our lives. Man, are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out? Come with me. Get away with me. I will restore your life. I will breathe life into you. Incredible words of Jesus. We have to create space for God to move. It's a powerful story right here. It says, but as he was sleeping, an angel touched him and told him, get up and eat. I mean, this is God's provision for Elijah. He looked around, and there beside his head was some bread baked on hot stones and a jar of water. So he ate and drank and lay down again. Then the angel of the Lord came again and touched him and said, Get up and eat some more, or the journey ahead will be too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank, and the food gave him enough strength to travel 40 days and 40 nights to Mount Sinai, the mountain of God. He's still running, but he's running toward God. There he came to a cave where he spent that night. But the Lord said to him, 
what are you doing here, Elijah? Can you just stop and think about that question for a second? Forty days of running. Elijah's beaten up. He's burned out. Dude is broken down. God doesn't say to him, hey, Elijah, how you doing, man? How can I help you? (laughs) No. God says, Elijah, what are you doing here? Why have you allowed this to happen? Don't you know that I want to breathe life into you? Come, Elijah, get away with me. If you'll just focus on me, I will breathe my life into you. I will fill you with hope and joy and peace. You will know that I will raise you with my victorious right hand, that I will never leave you, that I will never forsake you. Elijah, you don't have any reason to be stressed. There's no reason for the devil to steal your joy. Elijah, you shouldn't be worried or full of fear. I I am life. Elijah, there's no reason to be here. Elijah, what are you doing here? Elijah answers. I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you, torn down your altars, and killed every one of your prophets. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. I mean, this is Elijah at rock bottom. He's beaten up, he's burned out, he's broken down. He's at the end of his rope. And what is God saying to him? He's saying, Elijah, why are you here? Why have you allowed the devil to steal your joy? Why have you allowed the devil to kill your spirit through your worries and your fears? Why are you allowing the devil to destroy your soul? You're running. You're focused on yourself. I want to challenge you today. If you're struggling, if you're worn out, you're tired, you're burned out, I want to ask you this question. Why are you here? Consider the words of Jesus. They're as relevant to us today as they were 2,000 years ago when he spoke them. When he says the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, he also follows that by saying, I have come that they might have life and life to the full. That's a promise. That's his mission. That's his goal for you. Man, don't let the devil steal your joy. Do not let the devil kill your spirit. Do not let him destroy your soul. Jesus has come for you to experience life and life to the fullest. And if you talk about building a legacy of faith, that you can pass on to the next generation, pass on to your kids, pass on to your family and to your friends and to your neighbors. That starts by living life to the fullest, by staying focused on who God is and how much he loves you. What powerful words to think about from Jesus. I gotta ask you today, are you creating enough space for God to move in your life? Are you spending time with him? Are you carving out space in your day where you are able to stay focused on who Jesus is and the promise and the plan that he has for you? Because I'm going to challenge you today. You have to stay focused on him. Jesus is the author and perfecter of your faith. You are dearly and deeply loved by him. He longs for you to experience life and life to the fullest. And so i got to challenge you today. When it comes to creating space, take time to spend with Jesus. Make sure that you are are laser focused on who he is, who he is is calling you to be and that you don't get distracted by the stressors in life, that you don't allow those things to steal your joy, that you don't get your your worries and your fears in a place where they overcome everything that God is doing and allow the devil to use those things to kill your spirit. Don't allow any activity in your life that will prevent you from drawing closer to Jesus, allowing those things to kill your soul. No, stay focused on Jesus because he longs for you to experience life to the fullest. He says in Matthew 11, I'm gonna close where where he started with this verse today. He says, are you tired? Are you worn out, burned out? Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. Powerful words from Jesus. If you're struggling today, 
If the devil has, has stolen your joy, I want to encourage you today. Get away with Jesus. Draw close to him. Let him breathe life into you. If you've allowed yourself to be overcome by worries and fears with everything that's going on today in our lives, all around us, and get away with Jesus. Draw close to him and let him breathe life into you. If there's any activity in your life that you're allowing just to destroy your soul, it's become a barrier between you and Jesus, man, get away with Jesus. Spend some time with him. Let him breathe life into you. Ask for forgiveness. Turn away from those things that are keeping you from him and draw close to him. That is where life is lived to the fullest, and that's where God longs for you to be. You've got to say yes to Jesus. You've got to create space in your life where each and every day you can keep saying yes to him, that every single day living in, in daily surrender, where you are drawing close to him and staying focused on him. And that way, you will live life to the, focus, life to the fullest, and you will not be overwhelmed by all of these things that life throws at us. In conclusion, I just say these words again. Are you tired? Man, are you worn out, burned out? Come to Jesus. Get away with Jesus and you will recover your life. Jesus, we are so thankful today for the way that you love us. You love us with an extravagant love. And while we're talking about how we build a foundation for faith that will last throughout our lifetimes, but also be a faith that we can pass on to the next generation. Jesus, we recognize that you ask us to be dedicated to you, but Jesus, you want us just to be desperate for you. Each and every day, carving out time to create space where you can move, where you can draw us closer to you. And, and not that we do that just out of some habit or ritual or duty, but so you can breathe your life into us. And so, Jesus, for those who are watching today, who are experiencing this moment with us together, God, I just ask, God, that for those who have been so stressed that they've had their joy stolen, God, would you breathe life into them? Would you restore their joy today? For those that are experiencing this right now who have allowed their worries and fears of life to overwhelm them and to kill their spirit, God, would you speak life into them? Would you help them to trust in your promises, to realize that you are faithful, that you are here, that you will never leave us, that you will never forsake us? For those struggling with activities in their lives that are destroying their soul, God, would you help us to just turn to you, Jesus, to spend time with you, to get away with you, and again, allow you to just breathe your life into us. Jesus, we love you. We thank you and we give you praise today because you are worthy. We pray this in your holy and mighty name today. Amen.